On today's episode of the Lockdown Sooners podcast, we've got a very special guest, former co-host David Walker stops by the show to share his thoughts on the Spencer Rattler situation unfolding in Norman, Oklahoma, whether Kayla Williams should get a shot at some playing time in the Sooners offense and where do the Oklahoma Sooners go from here. All that and more on today's episode of the Lockdown Sooners podcast, your team every day. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Sooners Nation, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Lockdown Sooners Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams, and you can read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at the Sooners Wire at usatoday.com. And joining us today, we got a very special guest making his triumphant return. No, he's 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 always with us in spirit, even if he's not with us. In recording, it's David Walker from the Iron Horse Podcast, sporting his NWO hat, ready to bring chaos to the Oklahoma Sooners football minefield that is uh, <laughs> going on right now. So, David, man, we we were having a great conversation. First of all, how are you doing? It's great to see you. Great to talk to you, man. Man, I'm doing great, dude. I'm glad to be back on the show. Glad to uh, chop it up with you a little bit. Obviously, it's good to be talking about the Sooners at four and zero. I know when I joined the podcast last year, we were off to a one and two start and uh, going into Texas week. So definitely different time uh, as far as the record goes at this time of the year. So we'll take the four wins, but there's a lot to uh, to unpack for sure. Oh, man. Yeah. And you, you gave me a call about, uh, I don't know, six, six thirty. This is not planned at all. We this is just kind of an impromptu. David just jumping back on. But call me about six, six thirty or so right in the midst of dinner time, bedtime. He can hear the the baby is just as frustrated as Sooners Nation is with the whole Spencer Rattler situation. I mean, he was booing from his crib on Saturday night as well. I could hear him just vocalizing. David, just kind of give me your take on this, man. I, we had a lot to talk about, but I'd love to hear your, hear you share that with, with the listeners here. I mean, it's a very complicated situation, right? It's certainly complicated. There's a lot of nuance to this conversation. And I think anybody that wants to simplify it and say, you know, it's one thing or another. I think it's a lot of factors that are going into the reaction that Spencer Rattler is receiving from maybe not a majority of Sooner Nation, but certainly a solid pocket of it. And when people want to say like, oh, it's just a student section, they're being, you know, drunk college kids, whatever. Well, wouldn't you think that the student section, his peers, like his demographic would be the most likely to ride with him? I mean, to me, I would always think like it would be coming from the old crotchety, you know, he does things differently than I like it kind of crowd or the name, image, and likeness crowd. Maybe that, you know, certain demographic that feels that way. And I wouldn't think it would be the student section. So to chalk chalk it all up to say, well, it's just a bunch of students that don't know anything and they're whatever, like that's pretty telling to me because Baker Mayfield had the student section in the palm of his hand. Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, those guys owned that student section in a way that commanded that student section and commanded the respect. Like he was one of them. When I, when I speak to Baker and I use Baker because I feel like a lot of people attribute Spencer's demeanor or his swagger or whatever that is. They try to lump it in. Well, you know, Baker was like that, but we're talking totally different scenarios. We're like talking apples and oranges. We're talking one guy was a double walk on chip on his shoulder, 
born and raised Sooner fan. And then you got a, a guy from Arizona, five star, had a documentary that was very off putting to a lot of people across the country, including a lot of Sooner fans. They kind of had to swallow the pill and say, yeah, you know what? Like, he, hey, he's our guy. We got to support him, even though he might have acted a certain way on the documentary we don't really, you know, vibe with. And they kind of gave him the benefit of the doubt. And so I think this is a, a trickle effect of a lot of things layered in. And maybe the tipping point was this West Virginia performance. So if you go back even last week, his Wednesday, uh, you know, quotes about people that say that, like, they've never played quarterback in the Power Five program. They don't know anything and all that stuff. He's kind of setting the stage with his demeanor, and you you lay on top of that the name, image, and likeness stuff. You lay on top of that the timing of these things are coming out, these cars, these trucks, like all this stuff on top of underperforming. And I think there's something there that this guy has, you know, and I don't know this guy personally, so I'm not none of this is a personal assessment. This is just an observation of reasons, reasons why. Like another side, like why is this happening? Well, I think when you look at him and you look at the behavior. And you look at the things last year, winking at the coaching staff of Iowa State on the sideline while you're up, and then you blow that game, throw an interception to lose it. You blow a 21-point lead at Kansas State. You get benched against Texas. And, yeah, you came back and you, and you did all those things that to finish the year. Everybody gives you credit for that. But you've never in your career, if you're Spencer Rattler, had a guy behind you that was a true threat to your crown. Tanner Mordecai was not going to take that job from him last year. But he, for the first time in his career, or his probably as an athlete in general, he's got a real dude sitting over there in Caleb Williams. And not only does he have a guy that's that talented that maybe has a different skill set as far as running the football, but that guy also has a different demeanor that vibes really well with Sooner Nation. He's smiling. He was doing the Sooner Summit. He's all in OU guy through and through. A lot less look at me type of demeanor that Spencer Rattler has had since he stepped on campus. And since he had before he stepped on campus. So I think he just resonates better. I think Spencer Rattler, of all of OU's great athletes, including the, the basketball stars they've had recently, I think he's one of the most unrelatable athletes to majority of Sooner Nation, just because he's carried himself in a way that he, his performance has never supported his demeanor, at least not to this point. And I think that's a big part of what we're seeing. Yeah, you'd think if the guy that's coming in with as much hype and as, as high expectations as Spencer Rattler came in with, that he'd be setting the world on fire. But it never really has been that. Even when the Sooners were playing good football toward the end of last season, I mean, he still wasn't throwing for 400-yard games, like absolutely dominating like you know the, the guys that came before him did. And, and maybe there's something to having that chip on your shoulder a little bit that helps drive you a little bit more. I mean, this is a guy that had a, a scholarship offer as a ninth grader. Like if that doesn't create a, a little bit of a sense of entitlement, I, you know, it's again, we're not trying to create any kind of personal attack or we don't know him, but it's hard not to, to start having that sense of belief in you that I can just go out there and do it. And maybe it kind of takes away some of that, that, that drive almost, um, or, and it definitely takes away some of the humility. You can't have that much attention on you and that many people telling you that you're great without losing some level of humility along the way. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, I mean, that is, all of these things are, there's not enough data yet, data, data, depending on how you want to say it. Uh, I say data, you say data, whatever, who cares? Yes, um, Jeff. not enough evidence to support uh, yet. I don't think we've had enough time. 
in the social media era, in the name, image, and likeness era, we definitely haven't had enough time to look into the, you know, the, the long term effects of these things, but he's an athlete that grew up in the social media era. He's an athlete that grew up with the Netflix documentary and now he's got name, image, and likeness on top of that. So you could argue that there's those things plus coming behind Baker, Kyler, and Jalen. And then if you want to go even further, I mean, Landry Jones, Sam Bradford, Jason White, Josh Hype. I mean, like the legacy of 20 plus years of what he's following, plus everything he has on top of that, that he came in with, he's got unchartered pressure on him. He's got unprecedented pressure probably on him. And then everybody's been 2021 is national championship or bust. And this is his last season. He's preseason Heisman. He's preseason number one. Like that's a lot of pressure. Like no doubt about that. Like that, to be fair, like that's a lot of pressure that anybody that's listening to this can acknowledge. Like, yeah, shoot, man. I might not like the guy's demeanor. I might not like how he carries himself. I might like his performance, but we can all concede that this is a huge, huge responsibility that's on his shoulders. So like, let's just get that out of the way. We can all agree upon that. And if you can't, you should like think about it process it and you'll you'll come to the conclusion that i'm right i'm i feel i feel very strongly about that but i also feel very strongly john that there's nobody on this football team if this if this is a 2021 is championship or bust which they basically embraced that mentality they've embraced the expectations that the defense is finally good enough and they can get this done they have a schedule that supports that i mean they've got the best schedule they can ask for when it comes to you know a few home game or a few road games and I don't even count Kansas. So, I mean, they've got a great setup right now and nobody is so important to this team from an ego standpoint or from a let's handle them in a certain way. Cause we don't want to rock the boat. Nobody should be absolved from getting their butt set on the bench. If they're not doing what they need to be doing, including him. And there's precedent for him being pulled out of games. I mean, what would have happened last year if Lincoln wouldn't have taken him out of Texas would he have had the turnaround that he had? I mean, you and I talked about last year. That was the best thing that ever happened to this season was him getting benched in that game, right? And there was already precedent in the two-lane game for, uh, for Caleb Williams to come in in a goal-line package and score a touchdown, right? Like that, that we set the tone from game one. That's something we might do. Well, last, you know, against West Virginia on Saturday, they've got a fourth and one at midfield. They run a slow developing play with, with Kennedy Brooks. He gets stuffed. Why is Caleb Williams not in the game? And, and I would argue that maybe he would have been, but I feel like the, the fans kind of backed Lincoln into a corner that if he brings Caleb in tonight, now it's kind of like he caved into the mob. Yeah. And that's probably something that any head coach doesn't want to do. However, by not doing it, it could have cost him a football game because if the West Virginia center doesn't completely lose his mind and have that snap that cost him 20 yards, took him out of field goal range. If West Virginia goes up 16 to 13, and now Spencer has to make that drive to tie the game or win the game, and he's losing, and it's either we get it done or we lose the game, Not it's tied or maybe we go to overtime, that's a whole different situation to be placed, placed in. And he was placed in those situations a couple times last year and didn't come through. So what I think is happening is there's a little bit of potential for a self-fulfilling prophecy to happen right now. Texas is coming up. His play has not been good. And he knows, because he's got a good memory, he knows what happened in the Cotton Bowl last year. It's a part of his legacy. No matter what happens, he got benched in the, in the Texas game. And now he's got Caleb Williams sitting there. The crowd's already turned on him. The crowd's already chanted for Caleb. It's already been, there's already some bad blood here brewing. And now he's got to go into Manhattan where we haven't beat Kansas State. I mean, Kansas State has our number right now. He's got to go up there and play well, which the best thing for him is he's playing on the road. 
I think that actually works well for him going in this week. Right. But no matter what happens, he could have the best game of his career in Manhattan. He's still feeling that pressure when he comes into Dallas. I don't want that to happen again. I can't let this happen again. And so what happens sometimes as an athlete, when you try to force something not to happen, it inevitably happens. Guys get the yips. Guys can't make free throws. Guys can't throw from second base to first base because they start thinking too much. In every sport, it happens. I just feel like right now the pressure is mounting, and I I just question if he's going to respond the right way. And I hope he does because the smoothest thing for OU is for him to get it together and, and they go on a great run to finish the year. But if it's not coming together, they can't lose a football game over this deal. They can't lose a football game over a guy who, at no matter what, John, this is a lame duck season for Spencer Rattler. He's either going to the draft or he's going to be in the portal next year because Caleb Williams has two more years and he's not setting right behind him again. So you either have a, a one more season with Caleb or with uh, Spencer Rattler this year, like however many games that is left, or at some point, if you're five and zero, six and zero, and you're like, hey, we can't lose a game over this situation. And if that means that he's not going to be, if his person personality is too fragile to handle getting benched and being ready to go and maybe being in a battle for the rest of the year, two quarterback system, whatever that is, if he can't handle that, well, then you just move forward with the Caleb Williams experience. And now you get two and a half years of him and you got a great defense that can maybe overcome it because Dabo bench Kelly Bryant for Trevor Lawrence after four games, won a national title. We all know what happened with Jalen and Tua. So if Nick Saban can do it, Dabo can do it. Lincoln Riley better be prepared to do it if he has to. Because that means national championship or bust, and nobody's above that. And you start to wonder, can Lincoln Riley pull something like that off? Does he have the the credibility yet built up? I mean, he's been a great coach for Oklahoma in the, the, the few years that he's been there. Got Big 12 championship games but is he going to be able to pull the trigger on that? I want to talk a little bit about what does Spencer Rattler have to do to actually improve his play coming up after the break. But let me talk to you about prize picks. Prize picks is a daily fantasy game made easy. If you're into daily fantasy, I mean, I love fantasy football, but I've really gotten turned off by like the DraftKings and FanDuel and all that because you're just playing against thousands and thousands of people. Well, prize picks is you against prize picks. You go in there, you make bets against props. They got the most props of any site that you can imagine from all over the world. All the top players in the power five, all of the players in the mid majors, you can combine props with Patrick Mahomes and LeBron James. Hey, you can throw Spencer Rattler interceptions versus Casey Thompson touchdowns if you want to get crazy with it. You can go to prizepicks.com, use promo code locked on to get a 100% match up to $100 at prizepicks.com. I also got to talk to you about rockauto.com. Rock Auto is the family owned business serving auto parts customers online for more than 20 years. They've got everything you can need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. And their prices are always reliably low for every customer for the, from the do-it-yourselfer to the professional mechanic. They have got everything you need. So go check out rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Fox? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And we're still here with David Walker of the Iron Horse Podcast. He's a former Oklahoma Sooners offensive lineman. Uh, from back in the early 2000s. I mean, he saw his own bit of quarterback controversy at times and, you know, played through the the Rhett Beaumar to, to Paul, or I guess 
didn't necessarily play there at that time, but was well aware of what was going on there. Uh, Cause you were, you played with Paul Thompson before he became the starter. Am I, am I getting that timeline correct? Yeah, no, yeah. it actually, so one of the first quarterback controversies, I think of the Bob Stoops era, one of the biggest ones was the whole, should Paul Thompson have come in for Jason White in the national championship game? I mean, they, that was the entire summer of sports radio in Oklahoma city after the sugar bowl was, was Jason hurt? Should they have put Paul in? We lost 21 to 14. And, you know, I mean, PT came in the same year as me and I, obviously he went on to win a big 12 championship. Bob didn't pull that trigger and do the, the whole, you know, bench Jalen and bring into a bench Jay White and bring in PT. So, I mean, obviously that didn't happen, but I mean, there, there's no, nobody is absolved from this kind of thing. And so yeah. I mean, you think about it, Jason White won the Heisman trophy that year and, and Sooner fans spent an entire off season talking about why he should have got benched in the national title game. So this whole like, idea that this is a personal attack on Spencer. This is what comes with being the quarterback at Oklahoma. Yeah. So I, I think there's, there's something to be said for that, that, you know, some, some perspective needs to be gained. This is not a knee jerk reaction here. This isn't a, you know, first time for this. People got frustrated with Landry Jones as well. I mean, this thing, this stuff happens. So, well, I think, I think Rufus said it best. I saw some of his stuff on Twitter today where he's like, man, if, if you're not supposed to get booed, I, I don't know why, people were booing our defense or booing Landry Jones or That's right. Mike Soup's defenses, you know, like Oklahoma fans have not been shy about their displeasure in, in performance uh, over the last 20 years or so. And, and it's a fair point, you know, like it's, it's easy to say we shouldn't boo our own players. My wife was saying it during the game and, you know, yeah, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's not a great look, but at the same time, I said it on yesterday's show. I said, you know, like if you pay for a seat aside from like breaking the law, or verbally assaulting another fan, like fan, how you want a fan. Like if you feel like you need to boo the performance on the field, then be, then do you also remember like, these are like 20 year olds. And to yeah. me, that's just, if I'm an adult, I'm like almost 40. I'm all, I'm a man and I'm almost 40. Um, I'm going to have a really hard time laying out some booze on a 20 year old. That's just me. Uh, but yeah. again, if, and, and if you're paying, understand. If you're paying a couple hundred dollars for a ticket to go to Owen field and watch a football game, man, you, you do you, especially like with parking and concession. And by the time you get done with that day, you spent three, $400, maybe hat boo, boo all you want to boo. Well, and that's the thing. I, I respect some of the teammates coming to his defense and, you know, Perry, I'm Winfrey. I saw a quote from him and, but here's the deal guys. Like, and I, I get it. I've been in that locker room. Nobody wants to get booed. Nobody wants to get be made to feel like, you know, y'all get a little bit defensive in those moments. Like, hey, we're the ones doing this work. We're the ones getting up at 5 a.m. to go get a workout in and then spend a whole day in class, watch film, do all the stuff. Like, totally agree. Totally fair. However, you got to be a little bit dialed back on how you respond to this stuff yep. because you still want 85-plus thousand people in those stands. And those people are doing giving up a whole lot. They're making a lot of sacrifices to be there. So you got you to walk that line a little bit. And, and there's no different than – what Spencer Rattler's facing right now is no different than the veteran quarterback that's got the first round pick that's sitting behind him. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, like he's, you know, he's not playing so well and they're going to be wanting that, see what that first rounder's got. Yep. And that's no different than what they're going through right now with Caleb. And so, you know, I, I do think that, you know, one of the things and I, we can talk about how Spencer can play better. And I, I think a lot of it doesn't even, it, it's really more on the offensive line in a lot of ways and just him there's, there's a duplicitous you know thing to do, but, I think that the idea that this is such a negative to recruit, we had all these recruits there and what are they going to think and about the booing and what would they think if they benched Spencer and put in Caleb, like what would Malachi Nelson think? And my response to that is 
I'm going to tell, I want to tell Sooner Nation why I think it's, it's actually not a bad thing for recruits and it's not a bad thing for Malachi Nelson. If that ever took place, if Caleb came in for Spencer, that's not bad for Malachi and the team getting the offense, getting booed for their performance shouldn't be bad for recruiting. Cause if you're a recruit and you're coming to OU and you're sitting there and you're watching OU ranked number four in the nation, playing an unranked West Virginia team and you see how they're playing and you want, you think that the fans are happy with that. Do you want to see a fan base that's pleased with that performance? Do you want to come to a place where, it's okay to be sitting there locked in a, a battle 13 to 13 with an unranked team at home on a Saturday night in prime time. Do you think that's acceptable? Cause if you're a recruit and you're coming there, you, you probably thought this game was going to get ugly pretty quick because you think, Oh, use that good. So you kind of want to come to a place that has high expectations. And if you want to go to a place where you're not going to be held accountable for your performance, you're not going to be expected to perform at a high standard every night, then you probably don't need to come and sign a, a scholarship to play at Norman. I mean, so I think it's kind of like, if you're not cut out for that, like, if that's too much for you and you're intimidated by that, then, then go somewhere else is my thought. And if you're Malachi Nelson and you see Caleb Williams come in and Spencer Rattler get benched in year three because he wasn't performing well enough and Caleb beat him out of that spot or came in and gave him a spark and maybe took the job over, that should excite you as a guy. That should excite you in a way that says, hey, if I come there, I don't have to wait my turn, quote unquote. If I'm, if I'm good enough to help us win, Lincoln Riley's going to play me because he wants to win football games more than he wants to appease somebody and give somebody a lifetime achievement award, this, you know, blanket, like, Hey man, it's yours. And you know, you got this year, no matter what Caleb's going to sit, like we shouldn't have these handshake agreements. It should be truly a place where the best player plays. And that's what I think any competitor wants to know when they sign that dotted line. Well, and that's what they tell us, right. In the spring, they talk about all those young, those true freshman guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They say, Hey, they're they're not coming here to sit. They're coming here to play. And if they can help us this year, they're going to play. And I think there is a way that you can get Caleb Williams into the game in some packages where it might make sense. You mentioned that fourth and one play, I think in the red zone is going to be an opportunity where you could use him. I mean, he's not the same size guy as the belldozer, but just having that extra running threat when you run that read option. I mean, we saw it with, with green, the West Virginia, you know, backup quarterback. I mean, they just brought him in for the red zone packages and it was very effective. O- Oklahoma had no answer for their read option. Bring that in a little bit of a wrinkle gets teams guessing a little bit, get some thinking about something other than just Spencer Rattler dropping back to pass or hand it off to Kennedy or Eric Gray. So talk about a little bit about the offensive line, because you mentioned that earlier and former offensive lineman, you got a son that's now playing offensive line. You're coaching him. Would love to hear what your take is on the offensive line. Cause I, I talked about it with 1400 sports talking Norman today in that I don't think that they've had enough time to get good continuity going because they've been playing so many different guys in these first four games, but what's your take on the offensive line situation? I think there's that. I think they play with question marks in their mind. They, they look like an indecisive bunch. They don't seem to have uh, the nasty level that I've seen in the past. Like they're not, I don't know. I, I, I think of a typical Bill Biedenbow offensive line as every other running play ends with somebody on the ground. Somebody's get just buried somebody and they're laying on them, telling them who daddy is at the end of the play. And I just don't see that kind of effort being given right now. I don't see that kind of dominance being, um, you know, just, I don't, I don't see will being imposed. So I think one of the reasons that is, I don't think it's a talent issue. I don't think it's a, a want to issue. I think it's an indecisive issue. I think there's, and it's just a half step difference. It's just a, a, you know, if you're a confident player and you know exactly what you're doing, and I'm not, I'm not saying these guys don't, but for whatever reason, I don't think they're playing like it, that if you come off the ball, you know, 
anything less than, than absolutely confident, then you're not going to get that finish. Right. You're not going to drive them into the ground. You're not going to create those, those, you know, highlight real pancake blocks. And, and that's just what they're not getting right now. And then also, I just feel like there, there's some plays where, you know, Spencer's rolling out to the ride and the left tackle, you know, we're not blocking. It's almost like we don't know where the guy's going. We're blocking in a way that's like inviting them to the, to the same place he's rolling out to. And I just, it's just little things where it just seems like we're just a hair off. And I would imagine film should be able to clean a lot of that stuff up, but that's, that's part of it. So the line can be better for him. That would help him. But when I, my thoughts for Spencer is, it's the decision-making it's pre-snap reads. It's, I'm seeing him lock in on guys and he's made his mind up before the ball was snapped. And he just, yeah. you can, it, it gives every appearance of like, Hey, I'm going to Mario on this play and I'm going to miss Drake's tricking down the field and to squeeze it into Mario. And they, we complete that pass, but we gave up a, a, a big play by not seeing what was there. And then I'm going to throw to Drake no matter what on this play. And I, and he stared it down the whole time. Um, you know, I just, I just see a lot of that going on. And I think those are things that in a, in a third year on campus, I would expect better, on those things. And I would expect to, not to force throws. Uh, there was an out route where he threw, uh, I think it was to, um, to woods late in the game where it was completed, but he threw it to the inside and the outside was wide open. And it was just like a little dig route. Maybe it wasn't an hour, it was a little dig route, but he threw it right to the inside where the, the defensive back was. And the, it, the outside to the sideline was wide open and he just threw it in the, the wrong window. Woods made a great play, but those are things that, you know, it's, that's not on the offensive line. That's not on protection right. schemes. It's just decision-making right. and things like that. So I think those are things he can be better on. Yeah. I think for me, the, the thing that stuck out from West Virginia in particular, where the, there were two deep balls that were back to back where first he underthrows, I think it was Mario Williams. It could have been Mike was, I can't remember exactly, but he underthrows him. You know, the guy he's got him beat. Yep. If he, if he gets it out in front of him, totally like that's touchdown you know, but he underthrows him. The guy has to try and come back through the defender and make a play. It's not, it's not there almost gets picked. You know, the, the, the defensive back like Mm -hmm. hits it up in the air and he's waving incomplete pass as the ball is like fluttering in the air. And then on the very next play, Drake stoops again, gets his guy, you know, he's beating him down the middle and then, you know, Spencer overthrows that one. And I think to me, a lot of this is just, you know, signifying that he just doesn't trust himself right now that you know some of those early turnovers against Tulane that he just he's just out he, I don't know he's pressing so hard to not make the mistake that he's just not trusting his abilities and he's not trusting what he's seeing and 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 I think you you hit it right on the head you know the yips like I, I remember I played adult men's baseball like after high school wasn't good enough to play in college, but I was just playing this rec league with a bunch of men. I was playing catcher. I couldn't get it to the pitcher. I was the dude from major league, like two or three. I can't remember what it was. Now, thankfully we didn't have to go <laughs> that route to get me out of it, but yeah. I just, I was like overthrowing the pitcher left and right. It was terrible. And uh, yeah, but I think that's just kind of where Spencer's at. Like, you know, when they get him the, you know, when they get the ball out on time with Spencer, he looks good. You know, when he's having to like sit back and read the defense, it's not looking very confident. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's it. I, I just, he's just been off. And like I said, I mean, I can't help but draw the conclusions of there's something to the fact that you got a guy sitting on the bench right now that is the best player that he's ever been in a quarterback room with. And I just think that at the end of the day, he's going to have to, trust his talent level, trust that he's the guy that they thought he was and remind himself of that on a daily basis. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe we're reading too much into it, but I mean, we have four games now. 
we also have the spring game where him and Caleb were playing against each other and, and Spencer didn't look so sharp. Yeah. So there's, I mean, basically every single you know bit of evidence we have since Caleb has been on campus has been a different Spencer Rattler than we saw finish last season. So something has to change and I just hope it doesn't have to come at the expense of a loss. I hope it doesn't take losing a game for them to figure this out. And so that's, again, I just think this is a win at all cost situation with this particular team. You, you've decided that you're going to the SEC that could happen as early as next year. Who knows how that's going to play out. But like right now you control everything in your destiny. You can go undefeated in this big 12. You can make, maybe not have to be the four seed and play Alabama first round. You can get a winnable matchup right now. I mean, I, I think this is Alabama and there's the field right now. I think everybody from Georgia, even including Georgia, I think that from two through 10, there's a lot of parity right now. So all you got to do is win. It doesn't matter if you win ugly, you right. just need to make sure that you win. Absolutely. And you can, you can get better and you can win ugly and you can keep improving incrementally. And all you got to do is just be sitting there 12 and 0, 13 and 0 when the dust settles after Arlington. And hopefully you're the two or the three seed. And maybe, maybe Alabama slips up and maybe you get the one seed. Who knows? But you don't need it. You don't need style points. Right. So it's okay to struggle and win ugly, but let the defense keep doing what they're doing. And the irony that we're sitting here talking about, can the offense support the defense is just unbelievable. Yeah. But that's where we are. So yeah. I just think whatever, whatever Lincoln needs to do, if that's a two quarterback system, if that's some packages with Caleb Williams, or if it's, Hey, you know what? Like there was a metaphorical benching that took place in Norman. He, he, the crowd turned on him and that was the same as getting pulled out of the game almost. Yeah. Maybe that's enough to get his attention and that, that fixes it. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, he was noticeably emotional after or noticeably emotional. That's the, that's the yeah. phrasing right there. Yeah, hey, after the game, you, like, say yeah, how you feel. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I want to speak my truth here in grammar, especially it's hard to believe I'm a writer anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, he was noticeably emotional after that game and you could tell like the, the chance and all that wore on him and, and maybe even the finish, like, you know, feeling justified in the way that he finished the game going six to six, 54 yards, leading them down the field on the game winning field goal. But let's talk about something positive coming up. You know, the defense is playing well. You touched on it. The defense is carrying this team right now. And I want to talk about that after I tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new and updated site and interface, there are even more odds, props, and contests at Bet Online. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That is double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now, Dave, we touched on the defense and there's a lot of encouraging things about the defense. I talked about it a little bit yesterday. I feel like there's some things that they need to schematically change. Um, you know, one thing being the way that they just like ran the linebacker out of the play every time that they ran that flare route to the running back. I'm like, what? Like, don't oh just, my gosh, don't just telegraph yes. that every single time. Like maybe like mix that up a little bit and just drop that guy and let the cornerback try to take care of him. Like, cause what is worse like running that, letting him get an eight yard completion or a first down completion or letting the running back catch it behind the line of scrimmage and potentially, you know, you getting a chance to rally and tackle the ball carry. I don't know. That was one of my biggest frustrations <laughs> from that game. Yeah. And, and listen, they're playing so well, but you bring up that particular play that West Virginia ran all night and literally all in night quarter, in the fourth quarter, my second grade offensive lineman who has never been spent one play in coverage or one second thinking about being in coverage 
is watching number zero go in motion. And as he goes in motion, he goes, there, there he goes. Like, he's, they're going to throw that slant to him one more time. Like, they've been doing it. And there, there he goes, first down, slant. And, and I'm looking at it's like, man, my eight-year-old just called this play before it even happened. And we're and we've been four quarters in. We haven't adjusted to it once. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So, yes, that's something they can clean up schematically. And I think they better because – Obviously, West Virginia found something there, and they exploited it, and yep. Nebraska did it a little bit to them as well. So I'm pretty sure Sarkeesian can uh, scheme that one up if we if we don't uh, change course there. But overall, defensively, I think it's to me, and it's not as simple as this, but it, it almost can be, it's the fact that we're getting takeaways. Yes. And, you know, when I started recording with you last year, a few games in, and it was, you know, a couple years into the Grinch era, we're talking about takeaways, and it was like – literally we were allergic to getting a turnover. We would do anything within our power to not get a turnover. We would drop interceptions. We would not get a fumble recovery, all those different things. Right. And just the, the fact that like Turner Yale going up and getting that like high point of that interception on a third and long, it's like, well, did it really matter? It's kind of like a, might as well just been a punt. It, it does matter. It does matter. Because defense, defensive guys building confidence in their ability to go make plays. And the same thing with DJ Graham last week in Nebraska. Heck yeah. He should have picked that pass off. And that was the best defensive play since Roy Williams in the Cotton Bowl by a Sooner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I think these guys are making plays on a weekly basis that are instilling confidence and are highlight real plays that are kind of reminding them not only are they holding people to, to low scores, but they're also making plays that are, you know, what you would expect of a dominant defense. I think what's encouraging about this, too, is that Woody Washington hasn't played the last couple of games. I mean, he's yeah. your best corner on the on the team, and you've been able to get by with. I mean, DJ Graham's a really good player. He's one of the players I was most excited to see. You got Billy Bowman, a true freshman, coming in and playing very, you know, a lot of snaps for you on your defense, and they're doing what they want in rotating the defenders. They they had twenty three guys play at least ten snaps. They had twenty five guys play a defensive snap on Saturday against West Virginia, and that's what they want. And we're seeing the waves of pass rushers that they've been really building toward over the last several years led by Nick Bonito. Uh, But I think the thing, one of the things that kind of stands out to me is I think the linebacker play is better this year than it was last year, even though it's like the the three main guys are the same three main guys you were using last year, Brian Osamoa, Deshaun White, and David Aguebu. Those guys just stepped their game up a little bit. Maybe some of that has to do with the improved interior defensive line play, but I think these guys are just seeing the game faster and they're playing faster. Yeah, they are. And I think it's important for all three of those guys to keep playing at a high level because uh, our boy Danny Stutzman, who we had on the show, um, I interviewed him on signing day last year. That guy is a freak. Yep. And that guy is coming and that guy is going to be on the field some way, shape or form whenever that arm gets healthy. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's, yes, like those guys have gotten better, but in a, you know, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen kind of way of iron sharpening iron, uh, we got guys in there that are pushing these guys. You know, we got finally, I think we're getting this defensive depth that it's showing up in the practice, you know, field is showing up in film room and it's translating to Saturday where you got guys out there with their hair on fire a little bit with pressure to make plays so that they stay on the field. Yeah. And I think that's part of the improvement as well is that it's not just those guys incrementally improving because they have more experience. It's also, you got a dude in Stutzman. that's like, Hey, I'm here to play and I don't care how long you've been here. And so I think there's some of that too, that's uh, contributing to this uh, improvement across the board. Well, to me, it's also impressive that a guy like Latrell McCutcheon can step in and be one of your better cornerbacks on the day. I mean, that guy came in with a lot of fire and a lot of energy, you know, nearly, you know, 
he forced a fumble that Oklahoma didn't get a chance to recover, but, and he made a great tackle in space, but yeah, a lot, a lot to be encouraged about with the defense. I think if the offense can actually improve from where they are now, then we're going to be talking about a team that is going to be able to contend for the big 12. If the offense stays where they're at, it's going to be nail biter after nail biter every single week. Yeah. And the, and one last thing that's not the defense, but I, I don't, I just want to say it because it's, it's fun to say, cause I don't think I've ever been able to confidently say this before, even with Austin Seibert. Like Oklahoma has a fantastic kicker. And like from the majority of my Sooner fandom, like I've never felt like we were going to make a big field goal. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, anybody that plays against Oklahoma and they got a guy that's about to kick a 47 yarder to win the game or a 52 yard, like whatever that is, going back to Dicker the kicker, true freshman, I'm conditioned to expect everybody else to make any kick they kick against us, especially if the game's on the line. But like, I mean, the fact that the you know, I know it was a 30 yarder, 29, 30, whatever it was, but the fact that Burkich could just go up there and tee that thing up and walk it off, like that is kind of awesome. Yeah. Like, I don't I honestly I've never seen that before as a center fan. I've never seen a walk-off field goal. So the fact well, that I know it's possible now and we get in a tight game down the road, like th- I mean, I think that you got as much confidence as you could possibly ask for in a kicker. So that's pretty cool. Well, I think John Hoover had this had the stat. He got it from somebody else. I can't remember who it was, but uh, over at all Sooners at SI.com. He had the stat that that's the first time that Oklahoma has walked off on a field goal, like ever. Wow. Okay. So see, I didn't even know that stat. I just thought yeah. it was just like, maybe I missed something. Maybe this has happened before, but I couldn't. I mean, that's, that's incredible. It's absolutely incredible that in a hundred plus years of playing college football, that they've never had a walk off field goal win. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, hey, by the way, shout out to Trey DiCarlo, uh, my, my kicker when I was there, uh, Trey, and he lives here down here in Frisco uh, near me. So, Trey, if you're listening, bro, I had total faith in you. Should we have ever been in that situation? 100%. Uh, which we yeah. weren't because we were smashing people until That's right. we, we lost That's right. two games in the season, but all yeah. good. So, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, man, David, thank you so much for coming back on the show, man. It's been a blast. Absolutely, man. Enjoyed it. Boomer soon. Yeah. Hey, y'all, make sure you go check out the Iron Horse Pod. David does a great work over there. It's it's really just about like parenting, coaching. How do you interact and engage in sports as a parent and encourage your kids to kind of live a life that is positive, productive, that isn't just about sports. Like it, it's it's a sports kind of podcast, but it has so much more going on. He talks with former coaches, former players of every level. I mean, he's, he's bringing great guests. So make sure you go check out the iron horse pod on Twitter. You can follow it there and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe to the locked on Sooners podcast for free, wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the Odyssey app. And then coming soon, jumping on the YouTube. So you'll get to interact with this beautiful face here, talking Sooners football every day here on the locked on Sooners podcast. And until tomorrow, I'm John Williams. Boomer. Sooner.